You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're looking at what it looks like to prioritize and schedule your family with Jesus at the center. Our society is increasingly busy, especially those of us who have children, face an increasingly busy calendar, all sorts of opportunities and things to connect with. How do we as Christians ensure that we are putting Jesus at the center of our family and how can we communicate that to our children? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today the rest of our team, Joe Coffey, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey DiNardo. Uh, our topic today is scheduling and prioritizing your family for Jesus. And so I think this is a really good topic for us as a church to think about. Uh, and even the people in this room on this podcast have children at various stages, whether you have Joe, whose kids are all grown and out of his house, uh, Stacy, who has one in college and one still at home, Zach, who has a range of kids from like age 25 all the range, way down to six range. months, <laughs> and then myself, who has younger kids, all aged eight and younger. And so uh, one of the things that I know from having coached and work in, worked in student ministry is that kids are as scheduled as they've ever been. Uh, and they are really busy. And so um, families are constantly having to make choices about what they're going to prioritize, what they're going to do. And I think as Christian parents, one of the questions we always have to wrestle with is, how do I navigate that climate and raise children who first and foremost are Jesus followers? And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today. That's our starting point. That is your starting point, because your starting point is, uh, Amy and I always say this when we talk to parents, is... At, at base level, there's going to be one foundational commitment you have as parents. Yep. One. There can only be one. And the reason why I say that is because you're going to have 27 foundational commitments, but they're going to butt up against each other all the time. You're going to, our commitment's going to be we spend time together. Another commitment's going to be we get good grades. Well, okay, well, those are going to butt up against each other. You're going to pick one. Whichever one you pick, that's the more foundational one. And there's going to be one commitment that trumps all Everything. of them in yep. every family. And you, you know, you may have not have ever thought about it. You may not be able to say it out loud, but there is one. And I think the starting point is to say that that we are going to raise a family that centers on the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's our base level commitment. So anything that rivals that, competes with that, seeks to get them has to go. Right. That's your starting point of saying. And I think I think if you don't have kids yet, it's great for you to go ahead and set your face that way. But if you do have kids, I think it's important to go, okay, well, what are the potential rival claims to that? And just own that because yeah. you can only really have one. Well, there and there's no end-all, be-all equation for a perfect desired outcome of a Jesus-following adult, right? But I also think you can't expect, to the next point, that outcome if you are not, you know, hands down prioritizing Christ to be at the center of your family and the priorities you know, aligning all around that. So, yeah. That. Yeah, and I, I think there are a lot of values that uh, the proponents of those values, coaches or whatever, don't have any qualms by saying this has got to be number one in your life mm-hmm. or, or bosses, yep. right? You can mm-hmm. do that as a boss to say, hey, uh, this is the priority in your life. If you're not going to do it, you can't be a part of this you're team. Just not committed can't be, enough. Right, right. right. Uh, I think, Jimmy, one of the best things that you said, and you said a lot yeah. of good things in the next-gen uh, message, but it was to play the long game, you know, like, yeah. and I'm the one with uh, <laughs> that's played the game the longest, I guess. You know, my kids are are, are all uh, older and out of the house and all of that, but um, 
that was convicting to me because I remember, you know, when they were in high school and athletics is really important to me. And you know what, what Zach just said is right there. They're, and I, it'd be good to know what your number two, number three, number yes. four. So you know yes. who's, oh, when, yeah. who's fighting. when it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, for me, we had uh, different things that were important, but uh, I didn't get nervous when my kids were taking an English test. I got nervous before a big game, right? And th- I wasn't playing in the big game which means it was hooking into something weird in me. and uh, But I don't think I was always playing the long game. I wasn't mm-hmm. saying to Jeremy or Rachel or Becca saying, hey, listen, we're going to process whatever happens here through what Jesus is doing inside of you, inside of me. Yeah. Uh, but now that they're you know, 39, 37, 31, I'm thinking, oh, man, there was only one thing that was important. There, nobody's playing sports. No, no, yeah. Nobody's like captain Nobody of the bowling the- league. Yeah, I want to say, listen, this is the the fact that they're they're followers of Jesus yeah. is the only thing that should have been important the whole time. I think the the key is is you know I, I, I've said this to parents a few times before. It's not just that. Let's just take sports. Sports is an easy one, but it's not just that your kid would think that football is more important than Jesus. I mean, that is idolatry. That is wrong. That is. But it's also that what you're just teaching them is that whatever matters most to you is more important yep. than Jesus. So eventually when they stop playing football, they'll just replace that with a girl or with a career or with right. school. And the problem is, is when they're 22 and they've replaced it, you will lament that. You will mourn that. You will say to them, no, no, Jesus is most important. But but you're going against 18 years of experience yeah. where they're saying, well, boy, he wasn't most important when I had football practice or he wasn't most important when... You know, and yeah. you are teaching them something that they will then just transfer to a variety of things. So I always tell parents, you got to build a resume of God with your kids, but you can do that in a negative way too. You can build this sense that God is important, without a single, but word. not yeah. quite as important as. Yeah, but I can I can already hear some parents, and I get this that they're saying, "Well, I don't want to make my my kids resent church, resent yeah. God," so. I'm going to have them be like, and what they're saying basically is I'm going to have them do what they really want to do, what their God is right now in hopes that they don't throw. So how would you, um, let, let, let's go after just when there's uh, practices and games every weekend, every uh, time when there's uh, student ministry events going on, how do you navigate that? Like when I was growing up and when my kids were growing up, there still wasn't sports on Sunday, not like it is now. Yeah. I mean, we never had to make the choices that people have to make now. Yeah, I mean, the bit, the, the starting point for me would be um, understanding that the primary, my, my, as a father of five, my primary responsibility or my primary relationship is actually not with my kids, it's with God. Yeah. So it's a non-starter for me not to be at church on Sunday. So... Uh, you know, I think I see some families where maybe they're saying, you know, my son or daughter, not even a believer yet, not even, you know, I don't want them to resent God. So the whole family's gone at the soccer game. And I'd say, well, we already have a problem because you're at the soccer game. Well, you do have a relationship with Jesus. You do. And I do think that kids first begin to understand what it means to be in relationship with God, what it means to be a Christian by looking at their parents' yeah. relationship yeah. with God. And, and, and I think it's important that we as parents say, hey, uh, it, this is too important to me, 
right? Yeah, right. I want you in church, and yeah, I, I hope that when you're there, the Lord will do something incredible, and 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 you'll. But but I have to be there, yeah. right? I've made these commitments. Um, I think is really important because in the opposite, again, either way, you're selling something to your kids, and so if you let's just say you have a season where you miss church 12 times you know, in a four-month period because of sports, it's not just that you're saying to your kid, you don't have to. You're saying, I don't. I don't need to be there, yeah. I, I don't prioritize God over you. Yeah. I don't prioritize God over you. And as a kid, kids aren't stupid. I think kids right. look at that and they go, well, gee, how great can God be if, <laughs> you know, watching me play soccer trumps him? Right, and I, I think that's a fair question. One thing I'd add to that too is, um, I think that's absolutely true. Having been the kid, I think I shared this. I did share this in my sermon. But when I was in, when I was in sixth grade, I was a part of a baseball team, and my parents did that to me. They said, you know, we we had if there was something on a Sunday, if there was something on a Wednesday, they were pulling me out of the game. You know, there were Wednesday nights where uh, the game would be in the middle of the third inning, and I just knew I had to take my cleats off, get in the car. And go because we had church that night, and my family was going, and uh, I, that didn't make me resent God. That did make me resent my parents, but it also made me understand they took what they were saying seriously yeah. about who Jesus is and what His role was meant to be in our lives. And so I think, while maybe the short-term gain of me being happy with them, they did not obtain. Right. You know, I also yeah. began to build a respect for for the Lord, the like Lord's a, a, yeah that's role, building the resume. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. look, we're not. No one's saying you can't ever miss church. Right. We miss for vacation. We're sick. We're you know. I think there's a big line between. So you're saying we can't ever miss and and like habitually, regularly downgrading the importance of gathering. But the other thing is, is that I think we underestimate the power of corporate worship. Yeah. That it, that it is one of the primary instruments God uses to expose us to the teaching and preaching of His Word. To the company of other Christians, to the to the sacraments, to the and and so I think when you look at a child who's eighteen, and Jimmy, you're the you're the math guy, not me, and you say, hey, over the course of 18, 18 years, you know, we're gonna have, you know, four hundred uh, Sundays or whatever it is, right? And you say that those are those are opportunities where our child is going to be exposed right. to the power of what God is doing in corporate worship. Now we're going to miss some of those, yep. right? We're going to miss some of those. But if you if you what my concern is is parents is if you punt on on three months or if you're just regularly hit and miss, you you are denying your family one of the main ways that yeah. God does show up. And I've just sat with so many. I've sat with so many parents of 10, 12, 14-year-olds who are defensive on this, but I've sat with so many parents of 22-year-olds who are saying to me, how do I get my kid to care anything at all about God? And the thing is, at 22, you can't get them to corporate worship, but you can at 12, and it is a powerful tool that God uses. And and, and I just wonder, do we believe that anymore, that, you know, that... Uh, that God can do amazing things when His Word is sung and preached and prayed and heard and seen and read, and I and I just avail yourself of that resource because it isn't easy to raise children who look to 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 God, uh, and and so you need all the tools you Everything, have. Yep. You just can't afford to punt on one of the major ones. Well, and it, I do think it is easier if you are in the very early stages of parenting to man set that foundation now, and it's not about 
us saying, oh, you need to be in church in a legalistic manner. It's yeah. about what you're unintentionally communicating if you're not. And well, I think beyond I, mere weekend attendance, but yeah, what role yeah. does the Lord play in your life? So maybe it could be that you get to church, but you know, it's like you say, I could never be in a circle because we don't have time right. because we have sports. I can never spend time on my own in God's word because I want to sleep in or because we're doing a hundred million things. Yeah. So I think that's yeah, I always so think it's, it's easier too if you if you look at something that's not important to you. Like yeah, I know Stacey, right. you're into that's horseback right. riding, yep. or you know, at least uh, one of your daughters was. Yep. And if you said to me, uh, "Yeah, we're going to be uh, traveling," you know, with the to go ride equine team. What do you call the equestrian it? Equestrian team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Very good. Then, horsing. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to go horsing, yeah. <laughs> I knew this I was going to come up in a podcast. I would it just be going. What that, are you doing? That just yeah. makes no sense. But if somebody comes and says. Uh, listen, my kid's part of a. He's really good in baseball. He's part of a traveling team. They travel. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I just <laughs> I always remember being in India and being in a hotel and watching people gather around a group of of like young men and they were all fawning over them. And I, and I was asking who who are those people and they and they said, oh, they're the national cricket team. Yeah, it's like who cares? And yeah. I was going, <laughs> why? Don't they realize how ridiculous yeah. that is. But if it was the Cavs or somebody, it, you know, it it helps to look at. Yeah. If you if if you're going to look at another family and say they're going to miss four months of of weekend worship because of something, or they're that not going to do family worship, or yeah, they're not going to you see right. as something yeah. ridiculous because yeah, they're I, in monopoly tournaments. Monopoly. Well, and that's or, and so that's my point. What you're really teaching your kids is that blank is greater than God. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and and w- what happens when they become 18. So what you're saying is why well, wouldn't say just anything. I mean right. It, right. it it's football because they're, or it's this season or it's their grades right now because they're trying to right? But but when they turn 18, you give the blank over to them. Right. And I can and tell they you they get to put whatever they want in the blank and blank becomes better than God and that's what happens. So as a parent you were like, "Well, you were playing travel baseball, that made sense, but but now it's a girl, don't you see?" And they're going, "No, no, no, but you taught me, mom and dad. You taught me blank was better than God. I've just put something different in the blank." Yeah. As parents, we have to own and- that we've created that mathematical logic that they are then going to right. use. Right, and I, I was just going to say, having an 18-year-old, that is the first and foremost thing I feel like she keeps talking to me about is how she's her searching for a church where her college is. That's, awesome. that's the greatest joy. Yeah. Like, that's what you want. I didn't know if we would get that with just our, but our, we yeah. were pretty faithful to wanting to try and put Jesus in the best way we could at the forefront of her life and of our lives. So. Yeah, I always think, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, nobody did anything on Sunday. I mean, Sunday was reserved, and now we've lost Sunday. And I wonder what would have happened if every Christian family had said no yeah. right. to traveling sports, whatever. If you're going to do it on Sunday, no, that's a, that's worship. We wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Right? Well, we were just talking about a story right. before this of a, of a friend of mine who is coaching his son in AAU basketball, and told them, hey, I'll put a team together and I'll coach it, but we won't play on Sunday mornings, right? We'll play Sunday afternoons, but we won't play Sunday mornings because going to church is important to us. And the league actually said to him, that's amazing because of Browns games. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever wants to play Sunday afternoons. That's the spot we always struggle to fill. We will book you for every Sunday afternoon. And and my first response that when he told me was to actually mourn that what he's what they were really saying is that Christians will draw the line at missing the Browns, <laughs> but they will not draw the line at missing church. And 
And and look, none of us are perfect parents. Yeah, yeah what none you of brought us up too was that uh, nobody had ever asked before. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just think it. you just don't know what room is out there. But I'll tell you what else is that. You know, Jimmy and I coach youth sports, uh, and you talk to almost any youth uh, coach, and they will tell you this overemphasis on one sport and trying to maximize it's versus absurd. playing other sports and being a kid is absurd. Like, like Jimmy and I, we, we chuckle all the time because we coach seventh grade football, which is the first year of school football. We couldn't care less what a kid did on any rec team prior to when they come to us. Couldn't care less. I mean, you know, some kid was the star. That doesn't mean anything. What matters is what he does in practice in front of us, right? And so I'm glad the boys had fun doing that, but it doesn't mean anything. And, and you know what the high school coach at Hudson would say? He couldn't care less what Jimmy and I did with the kid. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be, gonna... you know, so, so I think the, the, the thing is, is that even the people in these worlds would tell you, man, you are really, really making a mess of, of your child. It's disordered. It's a disordered love. And disordered loves will ruin us. Yeah, it is. I mean, there are some concerning things that that I've seen over the years in in coaching and just uh, relationships between parents and kids where, you know, um, parents are making playlists of bad plays and and I can see all that activity on our account. And you can see the joy coming out of that kid's. Oh, yeah. Because all he's thinking about is what's my my dad going to say after the game, you know? Yep. And those, I mean, those may not be Christians, I don't know, but especially if it's Christian parents, I can't even imagine what message that sends to a kid when you say nothing to them as it pertains to their relationship with Jesus, but but you have constant feedback on their performance. But I also think sports is a little bit of a low-hanging fruit. I think think there are some things that we as Christians can almost make righteous, like grades. Grades are a good example, right? Getting into the right college. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and, and I think... It's just as bad to say to your child, you need to get a 4.0, or nowadays it's like 5.9 or whatever, right? You need to get this. And I don't care if you you have spent time with the Lord. I don't care if you aren't part of the student ministry. I mean, I meet parents all the time at our church whose kid has no involvement with our student ministry, never has, never, and they're just so busy. They're just, I'm thinking... But you are alienating them from all these resources that would help them navigate the difficulty. And, and the minute something goes, goes wrong, you're going to want our help as a church, and, I, and we want to help. But, but you haven't made sure the relationships have been built yeah. so that we can help, right. right? We're strangers to your kid. How can we help you? Okay, let me ask you, the, did you want because I'm going to go a different direction. I just thought that be careful too, or something to consider as parents is not making church or student ministry activities a punishment or a reward. <laughs> that can really mess with And I think so just yeah. evaluate or re- your time with the Lord or any of those things. Go So yeah, but. Um, I wanted to ask uh, Jimmy and Zach, um, because Stacy and I both have a reasonable number of kids and you guys have an unreasonable number, four and five. <laughs> this is more unreasonable than Yeah, that. it is. So how do you, like, we're, we talked about balancing, you know, family life and spiritual life. But if each one of your five kids has, like, one outside interest, yeah. then how do you balance well, I just I guess I could speak to this the, in some ways more than Jimmy because your kids are so young. Season. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I think that when you have a big family, we have a lot of conversations about uh, we have a big family, and that means we we have to think as a family. Right, and so there are times where we are saying, 
Uh, this mostly comes with trying new things, right? Is that each one of our kids kind of has their thing that, you know, Sophie plays basketball, Deacon runs cross crunchy, Ava does choir, right? So uh, we'd say, okay, that's kind of your thing. And then we'll say two things. One is uh, you may not be able to do more than that one thing. Yeah. Right. We may actually have to say no to you, not because it's a bad thing that you want or because we don't have the money, we don't have the time, we don't have this is cross country season. That's kind of your brother's thing. You, uh, if you want to learn to play the piano, you can learn it when you grow up and you can pay for lessons and take yourself to lessons and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think also we will sometimes say, hey, right now it's not about you. I, you know, every, I only know the life I have. So I've only really, it's been forever since I only had one kid. I only know a big family. But one of the things I appreciate about a big family is it really can't ever be about one kid. Right. Yeah. It just can't. I mean, it, it just, you, you know, you're going to have to sit at some other kid's event. You're going to have to be bored at their thing. You're going to have to, you know, and I think there's some some health to that. L- l- listen, one of the most productive things you can teach your kids is that they are not the center of the universe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to teach them. It is a painful. And I think as parents... You know, um, like anymore, this is just an example, anymore when I see a kid whose life revolves around a tablet or a screen or a, I see that less as a kid on electronics and more as a parent who just doesn't want to fight anymore. Yep. Yeah. And I think sometimes like parenting, it is a fight. You fight with your kids for your kids. And I, and I think that we have to retain our enthusiasm to teach our kids that one of the most important things I can say is I love you. I love you. I will always love you. But you are not the center of the universe. You are not the center of my universe. You're not the center of this family's universe. You're a meaningful part, uh, but that is it. Yeah, I mean, we don't run into it as much nearly. I mean, my 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 youngest are almost three. So yeah. Uh, but I mean, we even a, a good example is a day like today where um, you know I'm here, then I'll go to football practice, and then tonight both of my daughters are in blast, and I'm teaching a class. So you know, if if not. If we're not intentional about it, we'll go 100 miles an hour and miss each other completely. Yeah, but we yeah. will still have dinner together tonight and pray together. And so, uh, but I don't face the level of complication yet that Zach does because my kids just aren't old enough to want to be in that many or to be able to be in. My son just wants yeah. to drive his electric tractor around the front yard Aww. in circles. That's, and he can do that as long as he wants. I'm not going to stop him. So. Till, he, till he's 18. Yeah. Yeah. No. And we'll just get him on a real tractor. <laughs> we That'll be... on a real... <laughs> so, how do we wind this up? What's the. I, mean, I think the big thing is just that it. We're, our desire is not to be prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Every family is so different. Every Everything, family rhythm. Yeah. There are so many nuances. There are so you know. Don't feel judged by this podcast. Don't feel like you you need to work through your own situation. But here's my encouragement to you: is to say, are the choices I'm currently making, a are they ones that I can see how they lead to where I want to go? And if you really want your child to be a follower of Jesus, are the choices you're making, do they really lead there? Yeah. And second, you just need to know that you're going to own the, you know, Galatians 6 comes to mind. Uh, you know, brothers, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What you reap or what you sow, that is what you're going to reap. If you raise kids to think they're the center of the universe, if you raise them to think they're always right, if you raise them to think that what matters most is the activity that they find most interesting in that moment, those are the the adult children you will reap. So now it's interesting in that passage, Paul says, "Don't lose heart, right? Mm-hmm. Don't lose heart. Uh, you 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 reap what you sow." And what he's really saying is, but it works the other way too. I really believe if you raise your children and show them the beauty and 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 glory of Christ, uh, that under the power of the Holy Spirit they will come to see that, and you will be very glad that you did. Fight now to yeah. win later. Fight now to win later. That's that's what I'd say. 
You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.